Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference for more details on how to attend. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Man, we talk to so many awesome folks here on the podcast, but today I have a special treat for you. His name is Pierre-Jean Cobu, also known as PJ. So I want to tell you a little bit about PJ. PJ is the co-founder of Spry Health. Spry Health has a mission to help chronically ill patients receive proactive care and help them stay out of the hospital. He got his MBA from Stanford. Pierre is an experienced entrepreneur with expertise in strategic and online marketing, sales, and finance. Pierre is passionate about empowering people to make positive change, and he's doing that at Spry Health. Chronic diseases are a problem that we're all faced with, people that we love are faced with, and oftentimes don't know what to do. It could be confusing, and for health systems, too. A big confusing area about how to manage populations. Well, I have the pleasure of introducing PJ Kobu to this podcast so we could talk a little bit more about what Spry Health does and his experiences in healthcare. So, PJ, it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. Now, is there anything in that intro that I left out that maybe you want to share with the listeners, something you want them to know about you? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good intro. Yeah, the mission of the company is probably most important to me. And as, as you said, in chronic condition is, is a really complicated problem. It affects a lot of people and often people that have to struggle with a lot of other difficulties, socioeconomic difficulties. It's a, it's a problem that we really, really care about here. So thanks for putting that at the center of this intro. Absolutely, my friend. I mean, it's a huge issue, you know, and, and one that you guys are tackling. Excited to go into some of the things that Spry Health, you and your team there are doing. But before we get into that, I, I'd love to kick it off with understanding more why you decided to get into healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. So this is my, my first healthcare company. But for me, healthcare has been, you know, something that's been on my mind for a long time. I was a pre-med in college back in the early 2000s. So initially wanted to be a physician, but then pretty quickly realized that, you know, med school and the, the lifestyle as a physician wasn't really what I wanted to do. And so I, you know, took some, took another route and, and went to, uh, did an, an undergrad and a master's in, um, in engineering and business and worked in consumer goods for a while and um, started another company back when I was still living in Europe and, you know, decided, uh, you know, there, there kind of comes a time where, You've invested a lot in your education, in your career, and there comes a time where I think you really have to bank on that and really do what you care about and what makes you happy. 
So for me, that was starting a, a healthcare company because I, I found that to be, you know, like I said, it was an old dream of mine and it was, I find it to be a super impactful industry where so much change is needed, where, where opportunities for business are really there, where especially in this country in the past few years, there's been big changes on the regulatory front you know, that then create other opportunities. So it was really kind of the right time for me. That's outstanding, man. What a great background. You know, you went from wanting to go into med school, but then had the foresight of seeing sort of the quality of life things that sort of clashed with your yeah. ideal. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're full, mm-hmm. full circle, had some successful entrepreneurial ventures, yeah, and circle. now you're doing what you <laughs> love. Yep. That's so cool. Exactly. That's so cool, man. So now Spry. So with at Spry Health, how would you sum up in a few words what you guys do, what problem you guys solve, and who do you solve it for? Yeah. So we're focused on providing people who have chronic conditions with the right care at the right time. And so what that means is when you're, honestly, it doesn't matter who you are, you, but especially someone who is at risk, who has several chronic conditions, the time that goes on between your interactions with a physician, you know, they're relatively large. Even someone who has two, three chronic illnesses, you know, they'll see a, a physician maybe three, four times a year for, for about 10 minutes. But what happens in between? That's really kind of what we're focusing on is understanding how someone's conditions evolving over time when they're not under the direct supervision of a physician, understanding you know, how their physiology is changing so that when something doesn't look quite right, we can get them help. That's the idea. Excellent. So, PJ, are, you, are your customers healthcare organizations? Are they the patients themselves? Are they ACOs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we're still relatively early on our journey with customers, but the sweet spot for us is working with payers that are providing some level of care. That's what we found to be really the best, the best place for us. So, you said it, you know, ACOs, health plans, like Medicare Advantage plans that are providing yep. some level of care, for instance, primary care obviously all the way to big integrated systems that are doing absolutely everything. And then that's, you know, something that we found to be the right spot for us because first they have the financial incentives to really keep people out of the hospital and and drive the best possible outcomes. But then second, they also understand the realities of what it's like to provide care for this population, you know, that is at higher risk and, and more complex. And so we'll work with patients, but patients don't pay us. We work directly with the healthcare organization. Got it. Fair enough. PJ, hot topic. What do you think Uh needs to be on the top of every health leader's mind today? And how should they be addressing it? There's one thing that I'm particularly interested in that has become sort of a hot topic, but in my mind often is is mostly words and and pretty marketing, but without much action behind that. And that's, you know, the idea of patient centric. Because I I think it's kind of interesting how Everybody just works in healthcare and is focused on, you know, driving the processes and building value, et cetera, et cetera. But, but sometimes we forget that healthcare is fundamentally about people. And so this idea of patient centricity is something that's come up, you know, a lot in, in the recent year or two, maybe. But I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and I think in our particular space that you can kind of generalize under the category um, uh, remote monitoring, right? So really understanding yes. what's going on with people when they're outside of the, the walls of the hospital. The traditional way of doing this has been, well, you package like five to 10 medical devices in a big box. You send them to somebody at their home and you tell them, hey, like, why don't you use these every day, maybe twice a day, write down data, report data, and then that way we can help you. And that's like, in my mind, that that is the absolute opposite of patient centricity because it's really not thinking about what's it like to be someone with 
multiple chronic conditions. And then I think, you know, you know this is something that, that I care a lot about and talk a lot about, you know, you should go and walk a mile in the shoes of someone like that and really understand what it is that they need. What are the biggest things they struggle with? How can we build a product that engages them and bring them value in a way that they've never seen before that really helps them navigate the difficulties of facing everyday uh, chronic condition or, or several? So that's, that's something I, I care a lot about that I think some healthcare organizations are really starting to work on. But as I said, I think there's, there's still a lot of progress that can be done. That's such a great point, PJ. And how do we bridge that gap? In your opinion, what's the best way to bridge it? I mean, I think it's basic empathy, I think is the way I think about it. And in our company, we spend a lot of time on user research, which basically means get out of Silicon Valley. You go to places where technology isn't really a thing or, or not, not that much. You go meet the people that are potentially going to be your users who are older, who maybe live in government housing, you know, have, you know, don't have a steady paycheck, are struggling with congestive heart failure, COPD, chronic kidney disease, diabetes. And you spend a lot of time with these people and you ask them a lot of really tough questions and, and a lot of really personal questions so that you really get to understand what's it like. And I think this is something that's obviously really, really needed and, and really true for startups. And even more generally speaking, for med tech companies, even the large ones, I guess, would, would maybe even benefit more of this. But I think even when you're a payer, for instance, really sending people to understand what it's like to know how to serve them better, I think is really critical. And again, you know, you definitely see companies who, who do a really good job of this, but there's a lot more that can be done. Uh, you've highlighted a really great, great topic there, PJ. You know, we definitely have to understand what our patients are going through better. And it's hard, right? I mean, with so many factors and so many players in the system, the system's built in such a way for it to be B2B. So the the consumer, the patient sort of gets left out. And the other thought here is while we walk a mile in the patient's shoes, I was talking to my mom the other day and she was telling me about my grandfather. He's got diabetes and it's from a caregiver perspective, her and her sisters are taking care of him and they caught him coming back from the store with a bag of Coke, Coca-Cola. <laughs> and, yep. you know, and my grandfather Classic loves story. his Coca-Cola, yeah. man. So he's just like sneaking Coca-Colas into his house. So what do you do? How can you support caregivers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they're That's a big right. part of this too, right? Huge, huge. And we, we've spent a lot of time talking to caregivers as well and understanding their view of what it's like and what's difficult. And I think companies like ours, again, small or big, have a huge role to play here where there really can be a win-win-win. So a win for the patient and a win for the caregiver and a win for the healthcare organization, but it just requires a lot of work and a lot of time trying to really understand what makes these relationships complicated and what you can provide that you know kind of reconcile everybody. That's a really interesting topic in my, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Hey, so PJ, tell us a little bit about how Spry Health has created results or improved outcomes by doing things differently. So we were about four years old now as a company and you know, maybe three and a half years of that time has, has basically been pure R&D, building the, the technology that's enabling us to do what we do. So we're, we're starting to roll out pilots now. I'm starting to to see people really interface with uh, with the product and, and with the technology. So I think it's a little early still to say that we've really improved outcomes, but I'll tell you when, you know, when we do sit down with users, 
and we we don't want to bias them, right? We talk a lot about their issues and what's difficult, et cetera, et cetera. But then we always finish that time with them by a presentation of what we do and why we're here and what this product could do for them. And and that's that's always been a really proud moment, I think, when people say like, oh, like this is really amazing. Like the idea of giving them a product that looks consumer, feels consumer, but is really medical, a product that enables them to always be connected to the physician that, you know, if, if anything looks a little wrong, that somebody will come help them. So this idea of, you know, having a sort of a safety net really and, and the idea of helping them with, you know, medical information, but is translated in a way that they understand and that they can really act on that gives them, you know, the peace of mind that they're looking for. Kind of the reaction that we get from people is always, you know, really heartwarming. So I don't know if that's really an outcome just yet, but it's, you know, in a sense, it's a, um, it's an indication that this is a product that, that will really help people with, with what they need. Yeah, it'll resonate. And, you know, absolutely. And while you guys are early on, I think you're doing it the right way. You're doing all the research necessary. You're not pushing out solutions that you think may work. You're doing mm-hmm. all the hard work, getting all the answers. There's a lot of companies that don't do that. And they're sure. faced with the bad news that it's not going to work. Yeah. So, you know, the other thought for you, PJ, and your team is you guys have done four years of work and four years of research. What you know and what you have learned is valuable and a platform where you can disseminate this information to others can also be something of an interesting platform of information for cash flow that will help other companies become successful in the space. Yeah, absolutely. Just as an option, but definitely not something that you guys have to do or want to do, but just kind of something that came to mind, right? We focus Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of the time here on the podcast talking about breaking down silos. And Mm -hmm. what I find is a lot of times people do the same work over and over again. And (laughs) you know, resources are are wasted. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. The, The way we, you know, sort of, leverage that that all of that research all of that learning that that we've done so far obviously it goes right into you know our business and our product definition and how we talk about it with companies that may end up being customers but it's also doing things like this talking about it because the reality is these themes and these methods they're not new they're just not necessarily always applied in healthcare where the needs are huge and honestly every company that is working on anything that is remotely close to healthcare and improving outcomes should really be doing this. So whether it's doing podcasts or, or mentoring other entrepreneurs, you know, that are, that are at an earlier stage in your journey, like all of those are impactful. That's right on point, brother. I really agree. And it's awesome to have you here to, to chat about some of these things. Can you share with the listeners a time when you had a setback and what you learned from that setback? <laughs> Do you have all day? <laughs> <laughs> and what we learned, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, this is maybe something that that is that'll be interesting to people who are starting to think about starting a company of their own and maybe are employed or students or, you know, just kind of at the early stages of thinking about that. You know, I think one one mistake we made early on when we were looking for our first round of funding, and this isn't I guess this isn't necessarily healthcare related, could really apply to you know to any startup that, that is looking to raise money. But we um you know we were fortunate enough to have met an investor that, that we had a relationship with, you know, that eventually grew into him telling us he was interested in, in leading the raise of our seed round, which was really exciting for us because, you know, we could definitely use the money and 
and also we really liked him. Um, and, you know, that was a really great moment. And the error we made is we thought, well, you know, everybody's always told us when you get a term sheet, like that's the tough part after that, it's always easy. So we kind of went around town. We had, you know, some other investors that we knew and we thought, well, now for sure, we're going to raise that round in two weeks or something, and then we can go back to work. But I think what we realized was a real mistake that, first of all, this, none of this is true. And investors don't just throw money at you just, just because you have a term sheet, just because you have shown some progress. And it kind of made us learn the hard way, really the importance of managing relationships on that side too, mm-hmm. which, which obviously you do a lot in, you know, internally with, you know, with employees, you know, we build a lot of, spend a lot of time building these relationships, but, but with investors too, kind of decoupling the risks around the, the business risk and the personal risk and um, spending more time with investors when you don't actually need money just to understand what they're about so they can understand what you're about. And then when the time comes up where you actually need money, then they already know you, they're already comfortable with you. And then the discussion shifts a little bit. And we kind of realized doing all of those in the span of an hour pitch just was never going to happen. And so that was a really difficult time for us, kind of getting hit in the face with all these realities of being an entrepreneur. But fortunately, we, we did learn a little bit from and and managed a lot better um, the, the, the next time around. Yeah, such a great share, BJ. And now you guys are investing the time up front. I forget what the saying of that is. Is like, dig your well before you're thirsty. Yeah, that would definitely apply. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> dig your well before you're thirsty. And solicitors, take that into consideration. I mean, I think PJ's offering here, his wisdom is is one that comes from experience and one that you should definitely take into consideration if you're a startup looking to raise some funds. Uh, really appreciate you sharing that, PJ. Absolutely. So tell us about the other side of the coin, PJ. So tell us about mm-hmm. a time where you were most proud of in your leadership career. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's several things that come to mind. Um, I think it's interesting because when you're sort of at the, the top of the organization, and it doesn't really matter how big or small, but I, I find that to always be true or seem to be true. That, you know, there's never really going to be somebody who's going to be giving you a pat in the back and telling you good job because that's what you're supposed to do for everyone else, right? So, so I found <laughs> yeah. in my own journey as an entrepreneur and as a, a leader of this organization to try and find my own sources of, of joy and, and pride and a couple of things that have come to mind. I think one that we already discussed is when I talk with a patient or, you know, someone with a chronic condition and I understand their issues. And and then when they give me feedback on what we're doing and the way we're doing it, like that's always a huge, huge high for me to to hear how much we could help improve their lives. I think the other one that is kind of more of a, it's a constant feeling that I have or when I, I look around at the team that we've assembled and, you know, how smart and friendly and caring all these people are and how well they work together. That's a huge, huge uh, moment of pride for me. I think that's the best feeling in the world when you do what, what I do. Yeah, and it's a great point, PJ. You know, I mean, it's kind of thankless when you're, when you're leading the organization and assembling great teams is hard. I mean, it's hard to find great people that are mm-hmm. aligned with your mission, but it sounds like you guys have done a really great job about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's hard and it takes time, but what we've always done. And, you know, now that we're starting to be at a point where other people are going to start to make hiring decisions, what we always tell them is don't settle, really have a high bar um, every single time. And that means it will take more time to get somebody on board. But 
they do have to tick all the boxes, as, as you said, like, do they really care about this mission? You know, do you want to, do you want to feel privileged that you're working with that person, you know, either because of who they are or their technical jobs or whatever it might be, but never, ever, ever lower that bar. But I think that's pretty well so far. Love that, PJ. You're setting a, a high standard there and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, especially, I mean, high stakes, right? Exactly. Like when you think about the startup journey, I mean, it's really you against the world, which makes it a little bit insane. But the only way it's going to work is if you have the absolute best people around you to, to work with you on that. There's mm. no way around it. I love that, man. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is you are the average of your five closest peers. And if you Absolutely. hire somebody that has a low average, they're going to pull your group down. Yeah. Or up, right? Or the up. Other, exactly. The, <laughs> the other expression I heard from, um, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody who was a guest speaker when I was in, in business school who said his objective as a leader was to hire people that were much smarter than him so that he would be the absolute dumbest person in the room. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how I, I think about it too. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. And I had a chance to stop by your, your site and take a look at some of the very talented folks mm-hmm. on your cool. team. No doubt some heavy hitters there. Congrats yeah. and kudos to you and your partner for, you. for assembling such Thank a great you. group. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's one of the best compliments you can make. hey man it's the truth and listeners by the way if you're curious about what spry health does and you want to check them out a little bit further go to spryhealth.com s-p-r-y health.com and you'll find their site their solutions uh, and what they do how they do it and news updates that they post up on there definitely check them out spryhealth.com so and and job openings as well and job openings. So they're looking for new roles. They're a growing company, folks. Uh, so check them out. Whether you be a, a provider looking for solutions for your chronically ill or looking for, uh, if you're an individual looking to make a career leap into a company that's innovative with a high standards culture, Spry is, is a place you got to check out. So, I mean, it's crazy how fast the time flies, but this has definitely been a lot yeah, of fun. It really does. <laughs> Let's pretend, PJ, you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare. Okay. It's the 101 yeah. course on PJ Kobu. And so <laughs> <laughs> here's the syllabus, man. We're going to do a lightning round. So speedy answers, okay. four questions, followed by your all-time favorite book. You ready? Sure. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Put people first. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think I'm going to try to be super short, but and this is something we see a lot in Silicon Valley, but you know, healthcare is in an industry where you have to follow the rules. So go fast and break things does not apply. Love it. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? This is what startups do. I think we are the change, right? So it's all about innovation. It's all about spending a lot of time with, with a lot of different people in this industry getting the, the best possible opinions and, and going as fast as we can. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a health organization? I'm going to repeat myself. It is people, patient first. What do they need? What is their biggest issue that isn't just medical? Sometimes it's logistics, getting to the hospital. Sometimes it's behavioral. But So, so thinking bigger and, and according to you know, more dimensions, I think that's the most important. Awesome. What book would you recommend as part of this syllabus, PJ? Well, it's a book that has nothing to do with healthcare, but, you know, being a French speaker, I'll have to go with a French author, The Little Prince by um, Saint-Exupéry. 
that I recommend. It's a classic. So probably a lot of people have read it, but it is in my mind, one of the most, one of the best books about personal growth, personal development and relationships, which, which applies everywhere. It doesn't have to be about healthcare. That's wonderful. What a great recommendation. Always like the off the beaten path recommendations. You need a break from the healthcare books and, you know, and the business books. You do. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Listeners, if you've listened to this before, say it again. All of these amazing resources are transcript, the show notes. You could find all those at outcomesrocket.health slash spry, S-P-R-Y. And uh, there you'll be able to find a link to the books, the company, as well as all the things that we've discussed. It's been so much fun, PJ. Even the good things have to end. So what I'd like to do is just uh, offer you a, a, an opportunity to, to give the listeners a closing thought and then the best place where they could get in touch with you or follow you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what I said earlier when we started the interview around there's so much to do in healthcare, go and find something that you really, really care about and go make a change. There's, you know, so much to do, so few people doing it. And I do fundamentally believe that doing what you want and, and having impact is, is really what makes somebody happy. And if it's not that, then, you know, what else? There's no other point. So that would be my parting thought. And to, you know, follow us. So we post a lot on Twitter. Twitter handle is uh, Spry Health, as you said, S-P-R-Y. We post a lot on LinkedIn as well. Easy to find. I'm on, on Twitter too. I post a lot about healthcare, but all kinds of other things. My Twitter handle is PJCobut, um, and that's about it. Outstanding, PJ. Hey, thanks for that. Those words of encouragement. Listeners, you can't just be somebody that watches on the sidelines. If you have a vision, like PJ said, go for it. And uh, there's not enough people doing enough. So be one of the few that stands up and goes for it like PJ suggests. PJ, this has been fun. It's been inspirational. Uh, really appreciate the time that you've dedicated to us. Yeah, well, th thank you so much. Um, I, I really appreciate all the questions and also had a good time. Yeah, thanks so much, Saul. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.